Welcome to the latest episode of Never Not Creative. Slightly different episode today because this is in collaboration with Gabberish. Go check out gabberish.com. Gabberish is an online magazine which is creative therapy for creative minds put together by Jess Lilly and Siobhan Fitzgerald. And I was lucky enough to be asked to guest edit the current uh, issue of Gabberish. And this issue is all about empathy. And if you've been listening through the last few episodes of the podcast, if you've been watching mentally-healthy.org or Never Not Creative, then you'll have seen that we did some research recently around uh, mental health in our industry and, of course, empathy. And so empathy is the topic that I chose for this issue of Gabberish. Uh, there's lots to read in there with some amazing people from around the world. So we have Matt Eastwood from McCann Health in New York. We have Matt Bladen, Dale Bagani, Scott Rigg, Prude Jones, V. Dewey, who you will hear more from in future episodes of Never Not Creative. More on that uh, at some point in time. Charlotte Goodsir, who's been an amazing friend of Never Not Creative uh, this year and Mentally Healthy. So big fans of those people. There are also a ton of others. And so it's a really good issue to go and check out. This episode, though, is dedicated to Victoria Davis, who, uh, believe it or not, I was actually her client uh, one moment in time in London when she was at TBWA and I was at a very old internet company called Ask Jeeves. And we worked together on campaigns and stuff. And Victoria was amazing. And it was just recently that I sort of kept an eye on what she's been up to and reached out. And she's now in New York, uh, has started a AI company that's focused on bringing leaders and employees and teams closer together and helping them understand each other better and get the most out of those relationships. And that's really what this conversation today is all about. Understanding like why aren't we generating better leaders in our industry? How can we be better leaders? How do we develop empathy? Um, is empathy right? Is it sympathy? Is it compassion? We tackle all of these different topics in today's discussion. Let me know what you think. Would love to hear more. Please check out the rest of the Gabberish issue and any other ideas that you have for topics in future. Make sure you get in touch over Instagram, over Twitter, whatever you prefer, uh, LinkedIn, on the website, nevernotcreative.org. See you at the end. So we did quite a big piece of research around mental health, which I think I might have spoken to you about before. It showed that we had very large, more than half um, of people in the industry showing mild to severe levels of anxiety and depression. Um, it also showed other things around, you know, presenteeism being an issue, how much pressure we put on ourselves as um, creatives and as people working in sort of marketing and, and media and, and that kind of stuff. And there was a data point in that survey, which was the one that was the most surprising, which actually kick-started even me getting in touch the, the first time, uh, which was, if you were to improve your mental well-being at work, what is it that you would like to see change or happen? And we had like the full checklist of things that you could do to tackle mental health. And so it did have things on there like 
you know, mindfulness programs, well-being programs, mental health first aid officers, um, all those types of things, yoga sessions, healthy food and snacks. And it, but it also had on it more empathetic leaders, um, better clarity around objectives, more flexible work options. And the results were so overwhelming that at the bottom of the list, like things that people thought were just really not important at all, was the mental health checklist of how businesses tackle mental health in the workplace at the moment. Mindfulness sessions, yoga, healthy snacks. People just, they don't need them. They don't, not that they're a bad thing, but they're not going to make a difference to their mental well-being at work. At the top, the number one by country mile was more empathetic and educated leaders. And so that leads to the question, in our industry, we don't really invest any time in helping people become good leaders and more empathetic leaders. And that's arguably the biggest problem that we face because people are trained up to be good at their skills, but then suddenly put in a job where in all honesty, they don't really need those skills anymore. And they're suddenly having to manage people. So what's like you've been in the industry for a, a long time just popped out in fact like what what do you think is leading to this kind of dynamic where we are promoting people into positions without giving them the skills that they need to succeed in those positions from a people perspective i mean the challenge is you promote people for doing what they've done and then ask the expect them to do something that's very different and yeah. you don't give them the skills to do that. So I think that's the challenge in actually all industries, which is you promote because of yesterday, you don't help with tomorrow. And the skills mm -hmm. you need for tomorrow are not necessarily the skills you showed yesterday. So yeah. I think businesses being clearer on what this new role needs and what skills you already have versus what skills you need is a conversation that businesses don't have. They certainly don't have in the kind of agency world because it isn't that driven by training. It's not that um, kind of tiered. You know, you think about big corporate systems and they have tiered systems of management. The agency world just isn't like that. It's much more fluid. It's much more casual. It's why it's great in some ways, but it's also why it's challenging for leaders. And I think to your point, we grew up in a world where you, you're only as good as the leaders you learn from. And, and again, I think the industry is a really good place to see magnificent leadership and leadership in the way that you're the leaders of ideas. And the challenge in the industry is there is no resource other than talent and there is no product other than creativity. And all of those things are very nuanced in their makeup so you see brilliant leaders of people and ideas which is both of which are so intangible that they're almost magicians in and of themselves so you kind of are, are driven by the perception of leadership but you don't have any actionable tools to lead yourself so the best advice i've always had on that is like pick up what you love from the leaders you've loved and you can, yeah. you can pick up what you don't like, and it could be as, as instructive as, as what you love. So I, one of my first ever bosses probably taught me 
the most based on I didn't want to do what they did. So I had an example when I was a child at work where I'd done a meeting with a client and the meeting hadn't gone very well. And I was sent into the creative team to give feedback. And the advice I was given was basically, tell them it went really well and there's just these things to do, which is like a shit show. It's like, it didn't go well. So So I learned that clear headlines and signaling builds relationships. So go into a creative's office as it was and say, it didn't go well. Here's why it didn't go well. Here's what I think. What do you think? versus don't lead and kind of try and manage the situation because you just, it's a shit show. It just doesn't work. That, that's so interesting. I had the exact, one of my first job in Australia, I had a very similar experience where I went to a meeting with a new creative director and went to the client and it's just us two. I think the first time, we were both quite new, the first time we'd been sort of sent out on our own. And... Um, the meeting was terrible. Like it's one of the most embarrassing worst meetings I've ever been in. And we came back and like the ECD of the business said, how did the meeting go? And I went, it was awful. I just, I just told the truth. And yet the creative director went, yeah, well, you know, look, it wasn't too bad. We uh, came away with, you know, this feedback and I think we're in a really good place and we can build on. And, and, but then, I got told off. Yeah. For not being in line. It. And I think that that's the thing that I've always thought is you shouldn't have to treat your own people with kid gloves. And there's a lot of that, you know, that kind of jazz handing, which I've never really liked. And I think the thing also on empathetic leaders, as you were saying, I think what's hard about being an empathetic leader is you often treat people as you wish to be treated yourself. And that assumes that everyone is like you, which is not the case. So there's a big difference between kind of being empathetic and, 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 and truly understanding that empathy means you have to understand what that person needs versus just give them what you need. So kind of being sympathetic leaders, I think, is easier to explain than being an empathetic leader. Because I think everyone, oh yeah, I've got empathy. You know, I totally understand what it feels like to be hurt. It's like, well, okay, well, people might feel it differently to you. Be sympathetic to what your people need and then lead through that lens versus assuming the world is about creating people just like you, which would make the world a terrible place if everyone was just like me. So you brought up a good thing there of like, you know, give it to people straight because that's going to help them. But it's interesting because I've been doing a lot of reading around empathy and that empathy does sit on this scale of like where at the bottom of it is sympathy, moving up through empathy and then moving up truly to like compassion. Do you prescribe to kind of like, actually you could go further or do you think actually sympathy is just a really good starting point, but it's a good place to then build, build on from there? I mean, we're humans, so therefore we are all over the map on emotions and models and all those things. So for me, the truth, I've always been taught that the truth is easier to remember. So therefore I'm driven by honesty Mm -hmm. and authenticity to my faults, but it's just who I am and it makes life easier. And then whether it's compassion or empathy depends on who you're with, how you're feeling, 
leaders are not a humans themselves. So we're not always the best versions of ourselves. You know, our defaults have always been the same. So if someone says something that we don't like, we're going to react to it versus be empathetic to why they've said it. So, you know, these conversations are interesting because when you're, and when it's abstract, everybody is the best leader that there's ever been with all kinds of guidance for empathy and sympathy and compassion. But the reality is everything moves so fast that what, what, what's your touchstone? And for me, my touchstone has always been honesty and transparency and authenticity because it's easier. I don't get myself caught up in what I said and what was said and what who said. And it's a challenge, especially in businesses where there are politics, because you have to be able to manage politics and still be authentic and honest and transparent. So, you know, you don't call someone a liar, as an example, when you know they are. You find a way to manage around it. Um, but I, I, for me, leadership is you can only lead it in a way that feels natural to you. So find what feels natural to you, stick to it, but be really aware of where it really works and where it doesn't work and then kind of help yourself around that. So I know I'm not great with people who are sensitive or who, you know, like to be told that the meeting went well and the meeting didn't go well because they can't cope with harsh truths. I know that. I can work with people like that. I just have to be empathetic, sympathetic, whichever one it is, to what they need versus what I need, because I know what I need. But they may they they may need honesty, but they may need it sugarcoated a little bit more. It's hard, isn't it? Because at the beginning of your career, like you are always looking around to people to look up to. And you look at those people and you go, okay, well, they're successful. I'd like to get to their position. And so you start to develop the behaviors either like directly and on purpose or yeah. indirectly because you spend so much time with them. Um, and I, I was thinking back to this the other day where I think I'd never really had a boss that behaved in the way I would like to behave now. And so that's, almost 20 years of leadership that is not the kind of leadership that I would like to model now. And so we're in this sort of cycle and you, and, and luckily I think you said uh, earlier that you realized quite early on, like what you wanted, like you wanted to tell the truth, the authenticity, how do you make the difference between what you think is a good leader and who you want to be as a leader? So there's a lot, there's, there's a lot there because society and culture has changed a lot in the 20 years we've been working. So, you know, what was a testosterone fueled alpha, um, I've got this form of leadership is now, especially with COVID, very, you know, what are the leadership principles that matter today, their vulnerability, their authenticity, their honesty. Someone told me a great story about someone who stood up didn't stand up, sat down in a Zoom with all their people recently and just said, I've never led in a pandemic before. I don't know what I'm doing. But I will be really honest with you the whole way about what I know and what I don't know. And they said that brought the kind of temperature of the agency down by 10 because, and, and I'm like, wow, like 
Like you would never have heard someone say that 20 years ago. Leadership was about control and ownership and responsibility and and it's not. So and I'm I'm actually delighted that leadership is like it is today because I think it embraces all people, all kind of genders and cultures and generations and everything because it's more welcoming. It's a good point. Like back then, what was valued by society is almost completely different to what is valued by society now. And so, you know, for me, you just made me feel a bit better, I think, uh, which is that, you know, it, it, I followed what I thought society needed and wanted back then, you know, like for, for succeeding in leadership, it was being about sometimes blunt, clear, very kind of like people need to look up to you to know where um, we're going and what the direction is and, you know, to have a very clear set of guidelines around how to achieve that. Whereas now, and actually I always bring this back to like football, which is back then it was Alex Ferguson, the hairdryer treatment, do what I say or else. Now it's the Jürgen Klopp's and the Pep Guardiola's who you'll see them run onto the pitch and put their arms around players. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter win, lose or, or draw. And it's quite a different situation where actually leadership is now much more about coaching than it is about some sort of kind of autocratic rule in a, in a business. And, and, you know, you just gave that, that example there, which is exactly, that's exactly what it, what it is. It's now. also, I agree. It's, it's the reality that leadership is a platform more than it is an actual job. If that makes sense. So only role of a leader is to lead and the only outcome for leadership is have you led successfully or not are your people delivering are they thriving while they deliver is there a purpose within the business that makes people feel alive makes people Mm. sit in front of a computer in their one bedroom apartment on screens 12 hours a day for nine months so i I do think i do think back to your original question you kind of need to know who you are know how you want to lead because actually being a chameleon or aping others won't get you very far so it's like yeah picnic off all the leaders you've worked for and kind of take what you like but also know who you are, know what matters to you, really, and then go for it. And it goes back to my thing, which is the truth's easier to remember. It's easy. It's really hard to play roles, so don't play someone you're not because it's exhausting. You can't remember what the role was or what the lines are. But if you know who you are, and that comes with age. You know, I, I am old enough and ugly enough to work long enough to know who I am and know what matters. So I made all kinds of mistakes in my kind of younger years when I was pretending to be someone I thought I had to be. So I think I, again, I I think I would urge all generations to, to, you know, lead with authenticity always and that at every level. And that's the other thing you lead at every level um, and, and know who try and know who you are or, or if it's too early in life to really know who you are, then know what matters to you know how you feel when someone lies to you you know it's that kind of you know would it, it, and it, i just i wish 
you know, with maturity and age and wisdom comes a lot of confidence and ease, which you don't have when you're younger. It's true, isn't it? Because basically, as you're as you're growing up in the industry, you're chasing a title. You know, like we've created all these different levels of the ladder to get up, and sometimes you'll take a title over a you know a, a recognition of how much you should even be paid because you're doing a bigger or better role, um, and that. It, it almost kind of removes the human element because of what you like success is the next level or a title and, and not about what you need to do at that level. Have you, have you watched people like kind of come up underneath you? Um, Cause there's, there's almost, there's this switch, isn't there? As soon as you hit that sort of management leadership position where you have to start thinking about how much credit, you know, you, our industry especially, which, you know, drives a lot of personal ego, how much credit you're taking to get to a certain point versus then how much credit you're giving yeah. uh, to people to help them get to a similar point. Have, how do you kind of help people through that as you've sort of come up? Well, I've always loved the quote, success has many fathers, failure is an orphan. And there's no doubt at every level, this industry is a team sport. And therefore, credit is everywhere and blame is nowhere. So that's the other thing. If, if, if things go wrong, you're in charge. It's your fault. Whether it was someone else that did it or not, it's your responsibility. And I, I think that's really important. Um, the kind of credit is everywhere, blame is nowhere, other than where the buck stops, which is the leader. So I think that helps. And, you know, Google talks a lot about um, psychological safety breeding the right culture and that's all about being able to say I fucked up or I made a mistake or I don't know how to do this which is a huge skill for talent to have and know they should say versus just bluff their way through it but it's really hard it's really hard to say I don't know what to do here I wish I'd done more of that when I was younger I wish I had more confidence asking questions because the better your question, the better you learn. And I think you often assume, especially when you first start in this industry, so many acronyms. And like you write them all down furiously. And, and of course, you don't need to stop every session, every sentence and every meeting and go, what is a EBITDA? What is a, I can't remember, there was always the, the media with GRP versus a TVR. I don't know what they are. Uh, TVR. Yeah, I still don't know what they are. But you know, find out or ask questions. Don't just bluff your way through. I mean, I remember doing competitive reviews when I was looking after Mars chocolate bars. And I did competitive reviews and I was presenting stuff. I didn't understand what the acronyms were. If anyone had asked me a question, I'd have said, oh, someone told me to write it. So I also think on leadership the um, in this business as a woman, it goes back to what we were saying, what used to be the kind of male, you know, it's a very white male industry, and it still is. Inclusivity is a big problem for advertising. It's getting better, and it's obviously in pockets, and it's better in some areas than it is in others, but it's very white, and even as a woman, even as a white woman, you look around the room and there were fewer of you than there were of white men. And so learning how to lead differently and not as a man uh was a, is a lifelong has been a lifelong lesson and journey i'd say for most and i i know all 
my people of colour colleagues would say the same, which is mm. how do they stand up? How do they speak up? How do they lead in a way that's authentic to them and not just them copying what seems to work, to your point? Uh, but I think it all comes back to what we were discussing, which is have the confidence that we now live in a world that respects or should respect different ways of doing things. But only you need to have the ability to communicate for people to let you do that, which is really hard. And even for people like us who love the sound of our own voices, there are plenty that don't. So kind of how do you speak up when you're not confident speaking up? Is it, it's, that's not just a work challenge, that's a life challenge. You've got to find a way to articulate what you want because no one's going to listen if you don't talk. And I think we're always asked to give advice on how do you help introverts or people that aren't so comfortable with the sound of their own voice. And as a leader, you can do more. You can ask them. You know, you, you, you know as a leader, there are people in the room that will always talk and there are people in the room that don't talk. You should be better at saying, yeah, Andy, what do you think? And even if I have to kind of draw it out of you in an email after the meeting and you write something to me that is better than anything was said in the room, I can then encourage you to speak next time because it gives you the confidence that your thinking is right. I always had two quotes that I was obsessed with whenever I was training in account management. I probably told you these quotes before because they contradict each other, which is and why I think this is like a wobbly mess of balance and one was Toby Zietler in the West Wing is one of my favorite characters of all time ran the communications group in the White House in the West Wing and there was a leak and he got his whole group together and he basically said to his people he didn't know who'd leaked it, he said those who speak don't know and those who know don't speak point being often those people in the meeting room who aren't saying anything are better than the people who are blabbing their mouth off mm -hmm. that, so there's that quote and then there's another quote, which was an Economist poster of years ago, which I loved, which was, lose the ability to slip out of meetings unnoticed. And it contradicts, because that Economist poster is basically saying, don't be invisible. But then Toby Zietler quote is saying, if you speak, you don't know anything. And I just think that's life's balance, isn't it? It's, it's the when to speak, how to speak, should you speak, there's no I remember, Yeah, I remember coming out of a meeting once with, with one of my bosses and we'd been in a big client meeting and, I, and, I, and I'd said nothing. And I was like, I'm sorry, like I, you know, I just didn't, I felt like I didn't have anything to add in that meeting. And he said, that's fine. Like if then, if you, you know, if you'd have added it, you probably wouldn't have been useful to the meeting and it's fine to not say anything if what you've got to say isn't, worth saying um which again is a good thing and a bad thing because then how do i know what's worth saying yeah but if you have four meetings like that then you haven't got any value to add this week's nuance um notes if you haven't listened to it is a great american marketeer and he talks about speaking up um and he's basically like you paid for a point of view you paid for your opinions and if you don't share them at any level what are you bringing? So, yeah, if your boss had asked you that four times after four meetings and you said, I've got nothing to add, you'd be like, all right, bye. Oh, you can't shut me up now. But no. um, I, don't, yeah. I don't remember ever being 
you are. A lot of stuff is already changing, like generationally, societally. It doesn't feel like we're going to breed the same type of leaders as we did 20 years ago. Um, but we probably shouldn't just sit back and hope that that's going to happen. How do we nudge people into kind of making that step into being better leaders, forming better connections with the people that they work with? It's a day-by-day practice, isn't it? It's person-by-person, day-by-day. So help people be better in the moment every single day. It's a huge change from where we were to where we need to be. We assume it's going to be better, but if you look at schooling, it's still pretty sexist. It's still pretty expect boys to do something and girls to do something else. There's still a nature part of it where girls want to please and boys want to win. Just I really truly believe that that's great for girls and bad for girls. It's great for boys and bad for boys. So I think there's there's no easy. I don't I don't see it being easier in twenty years. Actually, I just think it's about leadership, people you admire and respect, and having the luck of being around them. But really, it's about day to day course correction to help people be the best they can be and to make sure there's a million styles of leadership left in this business versus one style or two styles. And all of those styles of leadership are embraced. I mean, it's like, it's an inclusivity diversity discussion as well, isn't it? Which is let's stop thinking there's one style that wins and let's embrace all styles. Um, I'd love to think the world would be like that in 20 years. I don't believe it will be. Hmm. Um, I, re- I really don't. Well, there was a, a, a in my first agency, there was a very English quote around the people that get accepted here are either posh Southerners or comedy Northerners, which I think is still the way, isn't it? It's like we, there was an amazing comedy Northerner. I think we spoke about him. Uh, it was Phil, wasn't it, that worked on Paracount? Um, it was. Probably look at all the people you've worked with in advertising in the UK and delineate them on posh southerner or comedy northerner. Um, Has it changed? Not not in any British agencies I'm looking at. I don't know American culture well enough to be able to recognise a kind of Wisconsin kid from a Michigan kid, but I'm sure it's just the same. I've managed to depress myself, actually. I think it's parenting. You know, leadership and parenting are not far off each other, aren't they? How do you parent brilliantly? You know who your kid is, and then you help them be their best self every day. And you, and you pick them up when they do things wrong, and you let them win even when you think they shouldn't win. But you're constantly, constantly nurturing and, and helping shape them versus let them be born and then watch them and expect them to be great. So I think it's the same at work. And I think the parenting uh, parallels, could, you could go on forever on how leaders should lead like parent, great parents parent. Um, so can technology help us with the nudge? Well, I hope so, because I have set up a business to do just that, mainly because I spent my entire career in advertising 
and was noticing that it was harder for people to be people at work. And whether that's lawsuits, number of lawsuits, number of generations, number of cultures, numbers of time zones, number of screens now, you know, we are actually becoming more like tech and more vanilla. So how does tech help us show up to the best of our ability every day? That's what my business is trying to prove, that technology can make us more intimate. Um, and it's about understanding who you are and how you're feeling in that moment. Therefore, what's the right nudge for you? Um, versus assuming there is one style of leadership that works for one style of person all the time. It's classic content plus context. So right person, right message, right time. That's what nuance is about to kind of send you the right notification in your calendar that you need to hear to help you course think and course correct. Thanks for listening to this episode. Find out more about nuance at mynuance.com, N-E-W-A-N-C-E. I'd love to talk to you about some exciting things we've been working on at Never Not Creative. One of those initiatives is Never Not Creative Circles, which is a partnership with an organization called The Banksia Project. We are putting on support groups for creatives. That's mental health support, but also career support. And so the idea being that we are here for the highs as well as the lows. We have currently just started our pilot program. So we have uh, about 11 people, I think, in the pilot program at the moment. It's a six month commitment. We meet twice a month to chat about all things mental health, to share how we're going. It's a private, it's a safe kind of psychological space, very non-judgmental. And it's a, a pilot for us. So we're hoping to be able to scale that. So if you are interested in finding out more about Circles, then please go over to nevernotcreative.org slash circles and you'll find out more about there. If you've got any questions about the program, feel free to uh, share them. We have also launched the Internship Minimum Standards. Now, we're all about trying to give people the best possible start in this industry. We have put together the Internship Minimum Standards to make sure that people are paid for internships, that employers and interns understand the expectations of an internship and their responsibilities, and to make sure that internships are well-structured. So any business can sign those minimum standards. I encourage you to get your employer, or if you run a business, to go sign them. One, to be able to show that you have a commitment to giving people the best possible first step in this industry, but actually two as well, to show interns that you're going to be offering a good, structured, paid, ethical internship. And it's going to be a great place for interns to be able to find good, safe internships to do. So please go check that out. Uh, just at nevernotcreative.org, you'll find it. I'm very keen to hear who you'd like to hear from in the future, what you'd like us to discuss. Um, we'll be doing more of this. We'll be talking more about... Um, these initiatives as well and also uh, another initiative asking for a friend which will be coming to the UK in February so we've been doing that now for a while in Australia you can check that out on the site as well and uh, it's going to be launching into the, the UK soon thanks very much for listening we'll be back with another episode soon